Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Daily Roundup on this, a Thursday, July 6, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, shall I? Do you know what, folks? Today is International Kissing Day, and now I realize why my co-host didn't drive into the studio to do the show. Unbelievable. Yeah. She is the she-devil with uh, a spatula. Oh, I completely screwed it up. Uh, and she is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. You see where I am, uh, Tamara? I I cannot get, you know, in a, the right frame of mind because... I was so looking forward to receiving a kiss on this International Kissing Day. Uh, but um, I guess, Tamara Ugolini, uh, it is amazing, though, that International Kissing Day has survived two seismic events in recent years. A, the Me Too movement, and B, COVID. What are your thoughts on this International Kissing Day, Tamara? Well, first and foremost, David, I'm so sorry that you seem so lost without me there in studio this morning <laughs> or this afternoon, depending on which time zone you're joining us from. Um, I'm kind of glad now, knowing what I was potentially in store for uh, if I were to have joined in person. So I may have How dare been part you? of the Me Too movement if I had have joined David in studio today. We have to rein him in a little bit, don't we? Um, well, <laughs> I will blow you a kiss virtually then. Mm. Thanks, Here's David. to you, Tamara Ugolini. You are one of and my I'm sure, favorite reporters here at Rebel News. I'm sure your fangirls also appreciate that little <laughs> schmuck to the camera. Smooch to the camera, I should say. Maybe I'm pulling a Freudian slip here. Anyway, all right. So for those of you who are joining us at home, we are currently streaming on a few different platforms if you'd like to join us on one of your choosing. We obviously prefer the non-sensorious ones. So that's Rumble, Getter, and Odyssey. We are still, however, streaming on YouTube because we had built such a great platform and following there prior to the COVID hysteria where a lot of our alternative and or independent journalism went against their alleged community standards, which are very much ambiguously worded open to interpretation and also change, uh, I think, monthly. Um, so if you're joining us on Rumble or Odyssey because we have been demonetized completely from YouTube, and unless we keep up with those ever-changing, evolving community standards, uh, we risk being deplatformed completely. So if you send us a small monetary donation, which helps to support our independent journalism and keep our lights on and our work afloat, uh, $5 or more, we will read your comment publicly here on the platform. And then, you know, it's a way for you to discuss a topic that's relevant to you, maybe share a tip with us, or just have some general commentary on whatever is going on in the day. And we'll bring some of the news of the day to you here over the next 55 minutes. We're hoping to end right at 2 p.m. Eastern. I know sometimes we go over... Um, but I think David, both David and myself have some meetings to get to right after. So we'll try to keep things concise. But goodness, we have a lot on the day here, David, on this oh, Thursday. There is. And um, <clears throat> topping the card is, uh, oh, my goodness, the Trudeau liberals are in a big fight with Meta and Google over Bill C-18. It's um, it's amazing. I, I am enjoying this, uh, Tamara Ugolini, because um, one of the ways in which the Canadian government is getting back at Meta and Google mm -hmm. is that they're pulling their advertising from those platforms. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, their advertising, um, that would be my tax dollars going to the federal government advertising. By the way, why is it that the federal government, which has the biggest Uber monopoly in our great dominion, why do they feel the need to advertise in the first place? You're the government. You're going to do whatever the hell you want. And we've sure seen that these last eight years. But I, you know, what I'm enjoying, uh, Tamara Ugolini, is that blackface he looks like a guy that just smoked one of those cigars and it exploded in his mouth. The same with Pablo Rodriguez. It's that they can't believe there's dissension in the media ranks, in this case, social media, 
because for years now, they've had all their trained SEALs in the mainstream media uh, basically respond to any government edict, such as jump, and they go, how high, Mr. Trudeau? And suddenly you have the Silicon Valley tech giants, and I'm sure Trudeau thought that, you know, the government and those Silicon Valley companies they had a groovy kind of love. You know, we both love censorship. We both love <laughs> suppressing the truth. We're, we're, you know, we're all, you know, part of a team here. What's the problem? Why the mutiny? So, uh, Tamara, if this goes on forever, uh, I'm a happy camper because, one, you know, as I said, if my tax dollars aren't going to needless advertising, that's a plus. And one last thing, I notice... While the government is saying Meta and, and uh, Google are uh, social media non grata, well, the Liberal Party of Canada will still advertise. We're not ready yeah. to be divorced yet. Let's just call it a separation, right? And they're playing it up that the Liberal Party and the government are two separate things. Um, I'll tell you one thing, Tamara Ugolini, whenever I try to drop off a petition in Ottawa, either to the government or the Liberal Party of Canada, funny, isn't it? They're simpatico. They always refuse to accept it. Anyways, your thoughts, my friend. I think this is the only instance where the government, by way of the censorious minister, Pablo Rodriguez, um, have has differentiated between the government of Canada and the Liberal Party of Canada, uh, who is currently, you know, a fringe minority and and developed this unofficial coalition with the NDP uh, to be a majority government. But for anyone who doesn't know, Bill C-18 is the one that they're going back and forth with here. And if we can pull up the article um, that our writer Alex Dollywall posted he says the Online News Act mandates the tech giants, so like Meta, enter revenue sharing agreements with news publishers. This is probably about uh, halfway down the article. I think it's just above the, uh, yeah, down a little bit further. There's another. There it is. The Online News Act mandates the tech giants enter revenue sharing agreements with news publishers. News Media Canada, which advocates for the domestic news industry urged all stakeholders to act in good faith and engage in the regulatory process. And of course, when Meta was like, whoa, 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 we don't want to share revenue and basically squash the little guys here or, or, the, or the, the guys that we don't agree with or that the government doesn't agree with, um, because I think part of this is that you have to be a government-recognized media outlet, um, which Rebel continually fights for, and continually gets disregarded on. And so that will automatically bring the algorithm down, quash anything, that all of the content we're trying to put out. And um, so when, when Meta said, hold on a minute, we're not into this revenue sharing, um, now the Trudeau liberals are basically pulling what I would equate to like toddler temper tantrums here. Well, well then I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. And we're going to pull our advertising, but we'll only pull the advertising that's through the government of Canada, not through the Liberal Party of Canada. And actually, um, it's funny that uh, Rodriguez was pressed about this by a reporter. And we have this clip here to share with you in case you don't believe us that he's actually saying that there's some separation here between the government of Canada and the Liberal Party. Let's play this. So you mentioned uh, the government won't be spending advertising money, but I'm looking at uh, Facebook's ad library. The Liberal Party is running many, many, many ads right now and has run like thousands of dollars just in the last month or so. Uh, is this going to extend to your party as well? I'm, I'm speaking, we have the government. You get, you get to talk to, the, to our different parties, I guess, to the Bloc, the NDP, to the Liberals, and any other, anyone else who's in the House. Uh, but this is a government decision, then the party have to make their own decisions. Is it not ironic that the government cuts it, but the people who you represent as a party wouldn't? Well, the government is one thing, the party is another one. <laughs> they they are. I can tell you, I've been a volunteer like 25 years. It's very different. <laughs> Even the yeah. reporter's laughing. <laughs> you know what, Tamara, two things. One is, it just shows the hypocrisy 
of the mm -hmm. blackface liberals because the fact that the Liberal Party of Canada is still advertising on Facebook, that can only mean one thing. And that is they think this is an effective way to advertise. Otherwise, why would you throw your money? Uh, I, well, correction. Why would you throw our money, taxpayer money, on a platform that uh, isn't capturing any significant number of eyeballs? But my personal feeling, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. They are in for the fight of their lives, the Liberals on this one, because mm -hmm. it's not just about, you know, a revenue sharing agreement for the Dominion of Canada population, just under 40 million people. Uh, not, you know, when you compare us to the more populous countries in the world, China, India, the United States, so on and so forth. What the Silicon Valley tech giants don't want to have happen here I think, Tamara, is a precedent. They don't want to see some kind of deal where they're paying X number of millions uh, to the media outlets in Canada because if they bend the knee on that, how many other countries in the globe, the 200 or so countries on our planet, are going to say, wow, look what they did in Canada. We want the same deal. So I think this is going to be a scorched earth policy uh, for the tech giants, not because they can't afford to pay Canadian media outlets. It's just that they don't want this huge precedent set for all the nations of the world and all the media organizations of the world. Because don't forget that this is under the veil of somehow upholding democracy, right? This yes. whole, the censorship plans, this this war in Ukraine that we are endlessly funding billions of dollars to is all under the guise of somehow protecting democracy, even though the cornerstone of democracy is robust discussion, robust debate, and freedom of the press. And yet everything that the Justin Trudeau liberals are doing yep. are a direct hit and infringement on those cornerstones of functioning, healthy democracy. And um, we have a clip here to share with you of Trudeau basically saying what I just stated, but the opposite, right? He flips the script, gaslights anybody who questions it, and touts this absolutely damaging rhetoric. Let's have a listen. Facebook decided that Canada was a small country, small enough and that they could reject our, our uh, asks. They made the wrong choice by deciding to attack Canada. We want to defend democracy. This is what we're doing across the world, such as supporting Ukraine. This is what we've done during the Second World War. This is what we're doing every single day in the United Nations. And I know that Canadians will not be bullied by billionaires in the U.S., billionaires that are impacting negatively our democracy. We will have a strong stance with that. We're not alone. Other countries are looking closely at what we're doing. We will not accept this type of threats, the threats by META. Our democracy, democracies are threatened everywhere around the world. And if we're let, letting go, we will lose. Yeah, well, I think, Tamara Ugolini, uh, Blackface just made my point. Other countries around the world are looking at this. This is precisely why I don't think Meta and Google are going to bend the knee anytime soon. Again, it goes back to what I said about a precedent. But did he just play, like, the Second World War card? Is that what he is giving moral equivalence to in this battle. And by the way, Blackface, how about your daddy, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau? How come, uh, if you were so dead set against defending democracy back in the uh, Second World War, why didn't he enlist? Uh, yeah, no, I forgot. He would rather just drive around Montreal in a motorcycle um, and uh, bugger off in terms of actually putting his life on the line. Give me a break. But... These mm -hmm. comparisons he's making, 
uh, Tamara Ugolini, are outrageous. And by the way, I'm looking with some amusement at how the mainstream media is covering this, including those media outlets that um, I still subscribe to, such as the Toronto Sun. This was the front page story on the Sun today. Ugly fight. But here's the deck is outrageous. And it's written by the disgraced Brian Lilly, so maybe that's why it is. As Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez goes to war with tech giants Google and Meta over fate of Canadian news, poll finds most want a settlement. Here it is right there, front page news entitled Ugly Fight. Uh, you know what? Uh, are you going to bed at night, Tamara Ugolini, going, oh, please, God, Please let's have peace on the federal government meta Google front. It's it's just consuming me. I mean, it's so important. I, I don't think most Canadians are probably even aware of this. I bet you, Tamara Ugolini, if I went down to uh, Young Dundas Square and did a streeter, um, 99 out of 100 people would have no idea what this issue is about. So the idea that the sun is ginning up that most Canadians want this solved sooner rather than later. Oh, give me a break. I'd love to see the methodology of that poll. You know, I think that's a great idea, David. Maybe that's your next mission uh, <laughs> as our mission specialist is to head down and just see how many Canadians actually know that this is taking place. Because I think unless you follow alternative media like Rebel News and others, you would be none the wiser that this is happening because it's a direct hit on that alternative media, on yeah. independent journalism. And again, that is a cornerstone of, of a healthy democratic nation is being able to provide that unbiased reporting. And so when you're funding the mainstream media, as we talk about endlessly on this platform, why would they ever bite the hand that feeds? These people get endless subsidies, bailouts from the government, which is essentially just our tax dollars. And so, of course, they're not going to speak truth to power or criticize their policies because, hey, maybe they're next on the line to be cut off of the the trough, so to speak. But for Trudeau to say that Canadians won't be bullied by billionaires, well, Canadians also <laughs> don't want to be bullied by Trudeau and his censorious attempts to establish a ministry of truth. I mean, he is acting a la Pravda-style newspeak brought to you by, you know, the likes of Stalin. He's acting like an iron fist dictator who's going to manage everything and anything that Canadians can access online. Because we saw throughout the last three years that the government narrative was upheld and amplified endlessly. And anybody who acted contrary to that or provided an alternative opinion was slandered, smeared, censored. And they want more of a tight grip on all of that moving forward with their agendas, you know, like I imagine will be the climate alarmism, the carbon credits, carbon taxes, as we just had our Canada Day, another carbon tax instituted onto us. And um, the the food industry with, you know, the eat the bugs alternative to getting away from meat and actually being healthy, robust people. So we see these agendas coming forward. And they're studying our behaviors, how to manipulate them, what the most effective ways to do that are. I'll have a report on that out, I hope, later today. It's a big, it was a big dig. So bear with us as we get those edits done. But um, we know that this is coming and they're just trying to finesse their strategy to make sure that you comply unquestionably moving forward. Well, you know, Tamara, uh, just getting back to the issue at hand, uh, press censorship, uh, at least that's the way it's being portrayed by the blackface liberals. Uh, isn't this perversely ironic? I mean, the proof is in the political pudding, I would say, when it comes to this topic. I remember back in 2019, our one lawyer went up against five federal government lawyers mm -hmm. and successfully got a federal court order to get us into the parliamentary debate for the election uh, that year. And then you think that would have been a precedent. Oh, no, folks. Once again, five versus one in 2021. We won again. The only difference between 2019 and 2021 is that 
uh, Blackface and uh, his new best boyfriend, uh, Jugmeet Singh, uh, actually uh, answered questions. But by 2021, uh, you'd ha you had Blackface and uh, Singh say, uh, we don't recognize you as a media uh, outlet. We're, we're not going to answer you. Even though uh, the federal court of Canada said, yes, Rebel News is legitimate media, they put their finger up, not just at us, Tamara, and our organization, but every registered voter in Canada. They were saying to the people, we're not going to give you an answer, even though the federal court um, allowed these journalists into the venue. What a disgrace. Where was his fight for democracy then? Where was his um, coming to the aid of press freedom then? I guess it depends on who the journalists are, i.e. the trained seals in the media party versus independent media voices that, oh, you know, ask impolite questions, make insensitive <laughs> statements. Is, is that what it all boils down to, Tamara Ugolini? Yeah, the media lapdogs, of course. And um, on that note, too, we have a, a super chat that I'll just get to quickly okay. here from Adam Ott gives $5. Thank you very much. Um, he says the government, or maybe I shouldn't assume the gender there, the government not advertising on social media sounds like a win-win to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, not going to lie. Likewise, less propaganda and less tax spending. I bet the government advertising revenue is a drop in the bucket for Meta. I mean, yeah, that's probably why they're taking a stand against it, is they're saying, you know, this isn't worth it for us financially and from a business standpoint. You know what? I think Adam Ott makes a, an incredible point there because this would kind of explain the unspoken strategy here of why the likes of Blackface and Rodriguez are so mad and so annoyed. Because I think in their minds, and whether it's true or not, that's another story, Tamara Ugolini, but... Meta and Google are effective advertising platforms to push their propaganda message mm -hmm. to whoever's consuming it. Mm -hmm. So now that they're doing this boycott, um, they kind of realize, if I'm correct, that they're, um, you know, uh, biting off their noses despite their faces. Uh, I think that really explains, you know, why there is such animation with these two, uh, because otherwise... Um, if it was a nothing burger, they wouldn't be so vested in this issue, would they? That's right. Yeah, they lose a huge segment of their ability to propagandize you if they're <laughs> kicked off of or they lose that these social media platforms. That was a massive component utilized in the behavioral change campaign that yep. was deployed on citizens, funded by citizens to mold and shape and modify and manipulate their behavior over the last few years. And we're only going to see more and more of that. And I will detail all of that based on government memos themselves in a report that I have coming out, as I mentioned, I hope later today. So if you don't sign up for our content, please do so. And you'll, you will be sure that you will not miss that report when it comes out, rebelnews.com, or um, you can sign up specifically for, I think, a specific journalist or specific content that you're interested in seeing. And so I would urge anyone who hasn't done that to do so, so you don't miss those reports. Um, I think just to amplify and reinforce your point there, David, about freedom of the press and, you know, upholding democracy, let's, we have this clip here of when Trudeau responded to me during the 2021 leadership debates, and he essentially dehumanized me as a person, but also um, Rebel News, you know, as an organization. Yes. And um, I think it's important to reshare this clip so that people get a better understanding of where we're coming from and what we're talking about when Trudeau responded to us in this very hasty manner. The only reason that I'm allowed to ask you this question is because today the federal court ruled that the government doesn't have the right to determine who is or is not a journalist. This is the second election in a row that the court had to overturn your government. Do you still insist on being able to make that decision and why? First of all, questions around accreditation were handled by the press gallery and the consortium <laughs> of uh, networks who have uh, strong perspectives on quality journalism and the important mm -hmm. information that is shared with Canadians. Uh, 
the reality is organizations, organizations like yours uh, that continue to spread misinformation and disinformation on the science around vaccines, around how we're going to actually get through this pandemic and be there for each other and keep our kids safe is part of why we're seeing such um, unfortunate uh, anger and lack of understanding of basic science. And quite frankly, your, I won't call it a media organization, your group of uh, individuals uh, need is. to take accountability for uh, some of the polarization that we're seeing in this country. And I think Canadians uh, are cluing into the fact that uh, there is a really important decision we take about the kind of country we want to see. And I salute all extraordinary hardworking journalists that put science and facts at the heart of what they do and ask me tough questions every day. Uh, but <laughs> make sure that they are educating and informing Canadians from a broad range of perspectives, which is the last thing that you guys do. Uh, wow. No, actually, it's the first thing us guys do. And Tamara Ugolini, I want to go out on a limb here and give you a tip of the hat, because Thank when you. it comes to, I would say, every journalist in Canada on the file, Blackface was talking about the COVID-19 pandemic and the vaccines and the restrictions and so on. I can think of no one else other than you who has done unbelievable amounts of research going through literally thousands of pages, finding the um, misinformation as Blackface talks about. Oh, would that be like um, Health Canada talking about analyzing a report seven months before that report was sent to them. You, you mean <laughs> like like that kind of uh, misinformation, blackface? Uh, Tamara, you are a one-woman gang. You have put the entire mainstream media train seals to shame for following along to blackface's orders. What he said there, folks, every single line, the opposite is true. I mean... Mm -hmm. um, tough questions from journalists. Would that be like, oh, uh, Tom Clark saying, uh, hey, Mr. Prime Minister, here's the one question all Canadians want to know the answer to during the pandemic. Um, what shampoo do you use? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Are you freaking out of your mind? And um, again, when it comes to misinformation and disinformation and polarization, Tamara yes. Ugolini, much as I called you a one-woman gang, Justin Trudeau is a one-man earthquake, tornado, and hurricane combined in terms of polarizing this country. In all my life in this great dominion, I have never seen this country more divided than it has been in the last eight years. Look what he did in terms of the trucker convoy, the fringe minority. Look how he demonized them, vilified them, wouldn't spend two minutes to actually go down and meet them and see what mm -hmm. their concerns were. That is an, a disgraceful clip. If there was, um, you know, a journalism hall of fame in terms of, uh, oh, I don't know, dubious achievers, that would be the centerpiece. Yeah, well, thank you, first and foremost, David, for your kind words. I really appreciate that. And I understand you're, um, you hosted guest hosted the Ezra Levant show and through to some of those reports that I had worked on previously. Um, so thank you for that. And again, anyone who is not subscribed to us, please do so that you can stay uh, up to date with all of those actual real investigative journalistic reports. Um, the, the thing too, with that particular question is I didn't know that we weren't going to get a follow-up question. So as soon like I was sitting there laughing throughout his response, just going, oh my goodness, is he really saying all of this stuff and projecting this onto me when it's his own government that has been the leader of mis and disinformation throughout the COVID hysteria? And so when he ended there, I said, with all due respect, Mr. Prime Minister, and I started to ask my follow-up question, then I realized that uh, we were cut off. So um, we didn't get that follow-up question, but man, it would have been a good one to be able to, to push back on all of that rhetoric, because I think Canadians actually are coming to the realization that his government, as I mentioned, has been the purveyor of myths and disinformation over yes. the last few years. And that and they're just simply tired of his rhetoric. And that's why he has a fringe minority government. And he's 
develop this unofficial coalition with the NDP so that they can ram policy and programs through the House of Commons, uh, basically unabated. And so these two fringe parties have come together, really, really um, an assault on democracy, the way that they've done this, and disregard any of the the opposition, which is, again, a part of a robust democracy. But um, we have, uh, we're about oh, halfway Tamara, through the show. If, if I can just yes. cut in here. Um, I, did we ever get an explanation of why you were not entitled to the follow-up question? Because that is the etiquette. It's one question mm-hmm. and a follow-up question. Twas ever thus. So there's that. And I can tell you this. If I were in your moccasins in that uh, venue, uh, querying blackface, my follow-up question to turn them into basically a blank staring bozo would be, Mr. Prime Minister, you said we're guilty of misinformation, disinformation. Can you please provide an example or two? And he would not be able to answer that question. He would, again, go back to an ad hominem attack. I don't consider Mm -hmm. your organization a real media uh, news organization. And again, he wouldn't answer the question. I guarantee you, because... Where's the beef, as Clara Peller, uh, the Wendy spokeswoman in the 80s, used to say? Yes, you, you do all these drive-by smears. Give us an example. And if we were spreading misinformation, disinformation, I mean, we'd probably be sued out of existence by now, Tamara Ugolini. I mean, there's right. libel, defamation, slander laws. Uh, we've never been the victim of any such thing. So he is just demonizing for the sake of demonizing there is no there there. Right. Yeah. And we have um, a couple of super chats on this topic. Uh, we have $5 from Bowden Nelson. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Thank you. Some blackface and uh, People's Republic of China flags <laughs> um, together. So very fitting there. And uh, again, we I mean, I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but that's Trudeau who um, who adores the Chinese basic dictatorship. So, And was the middle one, was that that classic shot from the Vancouver private school? Um, it was the Arabian Nights uh, thing, and he's yeah. in a turban. <laughs> yeah, that was him in the oh, turban. Those are and great you know emojis. Um, I thought, <clears throat> you know, the likes of the NDP and uh, guys like Jugmeet Singh, I, I thought they hated cultural appropriation. Uh, why hasn't Jugmeet Singh said anything about Justin Trudeau um, culturally appropriating his turban. I, I, why is he so silent on that? Golly, I wonder. It would go against that unofficial coalition. You can't criticize <laughs> your comrades. Fraser McBurney gives us $5. As a student of history, just like the Gestapo police did in the last war, our police relished the chance to brutalize us peaceful protesters. Never forget. Yeah, again, more rhetoric from Trudeau that is just projection what he himself is doing and responsible for and trying to gaslight Canadians to think that it's actually on them. That's the end of it. Uh, To Fraser's point, I want to be as fair as possible because I really believe, and and actually I bumped into the wife of a police officer who recognized us as a fan of the show. And uh, it was at uh, an Adam Skelly event, I believe, uh, Tamara Ugolini. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the one, folks, who had a, a mom Paul restaurant that uh, the disgraced mayor, John Tory, literally sent in all the king's horses and all the king's men to shut down. Yeah, he employed the mounted unit to shut down a little barbecue restaurant. Meanwhile, 400 meters down the block, Costco has their food service facility operating like uh, nothing ever happened in the world during those pandemic years. Anyway, what she said to me, because I said, the rank and file at the division where your husband works, ma'am, what are the feelings about what's going on? And Tamara, what she said to me is that it's 50-50. There are police that are disgusted. There are police that are not going to follow orders to arrest and tackle a peaceful protest or somebody standing by himself waving a Canadian flag on a corner. And the other half, unfortunately, they're all in. They're indoctrinated. They can't wait to, uh, as the saying goes in law enforcement, whack them and stack them. 
And that is the dichotomy. And I believe her. I mean, mm -hmm. she has no reason to lie. But I have come uh, across police officers, even amongst the RCMP. Um, I remember when I met in Ottawa, uh, totally off the record. I'm not going to uh, say his name because his career is over. But he said when he saw what happened, for example, to me back in December 2021, when his fellow Mounties, you know, beat me up just for standing on a corner, he said he was never so ashamed to have been a member of the RCMP. So there are good guys out there. I, I really believe that. And maybe the number's 50-50, maybe it's a different equation. But how do you feel about this, Tamara? I've heard similar that the the demoralization that's uh, played a really big role in the state of policing across our great nation and the politicization of the police. Um, but also there are a lot of and from what I gather, it's a lot of the younger generation yeah. of police um, who, you know, as we know, that famous quote, just following orders and they're not going to go against the rank and file. They have been, as you already mentioned, indoctrinated. And also there's a segment of people who just love power. You oh, yeah. give them an inch of power and they're going to take a mile and they feel empowered by this. They feel like they are the, the great authority and they are going to impose that onto the people because they feel this sense of righteousness and I think that's a really sad state of affairs with all levels of authority now, whether it be from a doctor to a teacher to a police officer. You know, there's this there's this respect factor. Yes, you can respect authority, but you can also question authority. And I think that so often we are kind of trained to just automatically respect people who are in these authoritative or authority figures. Um, and we can still respect them, but we can also question them respectfully. And oftentimes you'll be able to point out who is that power hungry nerd, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, because they won't like being questioned and they won't have the answers for you. And this actually reminds me of a Peterborough police officer who I um, was in communication with over the mask mandate uh, when I was covering a protest there, Officer Donnelly of the Peterborough police and they were threatening to arrest me and they trespassed me from this, this property um, over the mask mandate. And I was like seven months pregnant in this report that. and they're, yeah. they're marching me to my car, which I actually, so many people said, you know, Oh, well you don't have to show them ID and you don't do this, but it was a great opportunity for me actually to take the police away from this situation and walk and talk with them. Yeah. So that's kind of why I said, Oh, well my ID is back in my vehicle, which it was. And um, if you want to walk with me there, then I'm happy to show it to you because it gave me, you know, seven minutes to really walk and talk and ask some questions of them because there were so much discrepancies in the regulations and the police were upholding one part of the regulation, which was the mandate, but not respecting the exemptions clause. And so um, when they were pressed on those questions, the one guy, he was, I think he legitimately was like one of these good guys where he was saying, you know, I could see his wheels were turning. You know, this doesn't make sense. And what she's saying yeah. sounds reasonable and accurate. And then this other guy, um, Officer Donnelly, just power hungry. No, no logical or rational thought process there. Just this is what I'm following, this order. And there's no questioning it. And if you don't comply, I'm going to arrest you. Um, yeah. So there's that really like, as you mentioned, that those two clashing mentalities with the police. Well, that, that we was saw. indeed an amazing uh, video. And before we get to the first ad break, uh, Tamara, back to your um, assessment about how many uh, politicians, it was all about control these last past three years. And I think mm -hmm. that was the real virus. Um, what we saw at every level of government, municipal, provincial and federal, and it didn't matter the political stripe, liberal, NDP, conservative. Um, a lot of those politicians and bureaucrats and public health agency officials, Tamara, they got a little taste of absolute power. And you know what? They really loved that taste. It was addictive. Mm -hmm. It was like crack to them. And they, I'm sure when they started putting out these orders, Close down your businesses. And they go, wow, people are. Wear a face diaper. Gee, people are. Socially mm -hmm. distance. Don't get together with your family and neighbors. Get that experimental vaccine. 
oh my God, people are following our orders. They got <laughs> high on that Tamara Ugolini. Mm -hmm. That was the real virus. You know, the totalitarian powers embraced by too many politicians that should have known better. Hey, just ask Jason Kenney, yesterday's man in Alberta. You know what, folks? We got to take a quick ad break. We'll see yes. you on the other side. No matter what, God will bring us through and I said, we will not bow down to your gods. For tickets, showtime details, and to see the trailer, please go to savethechristians.com. Spike protein in a post-pandemic world is something we all have to grapple with, whether you've had the virus, you've been vaccinated yourself, or if you're around those who were. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is a daily supplement that can help you feel your best and then stay that way. Go to twccanada.health to get back to that pre-pandemic feeling with Spike Support. Use coupon code REBEL to save 10% off these doctor-formulated products, which are rooted in science. And for a limited time, your first month's membership is only 99 cents. That's twccanada.health, coupon code REBEL at checkout. It's time to put your wellness back in the driver's seat. Well, I just want um, to throw to that first ad quickly before we continue onward. That's our recent documentary, Church on Fire. And we have a string of screenings coming across, well, across the country, but across Ontario starting this Sunday. Oh, what day is that? July the 9th. We'll be in Aylmer at the Church of God showing this documentary. And that one's already sold out. So uh, will be the next day on July the 10th at the Eglinton Grand in Toronto, downtown on Eglinton. Uh, so for anybody who's interested, you can head on over to savethechristians.com. And that's where you can find all of this information. You can purchase your tickets there. And then July 11th, we'll be in Ottawa with a screening and then carrying on to the East Coast thereafter. So if you're not sure make your plans, purchase your tickets there at Save the Christians and come support our independent journalism, our feature piece on how churches were affected by these arbitrary, nonsensical COVID restrictions, pastors were jailed, the war on Christianity continues. So this is a really fun documentary, extremely well put together. And you certainly do not want to miss it. If you can come join us in person, please do head on over to savethechristians.com and get your tickets today. Indeed, as the late, great Billy Red Lyons used to say, folks, don't you dare miss it. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> from censorship to groceries, you know, this is a staggering story, uh, Tamara Ugolini. Mm -hmm. um, Christian Freeland uh, dropped by the local rabba uh, in Toronto um, to speak about the grocery rebate. I don't think you or I qualify. I could sure use it. I mean, if you check out my line of credit these days, <laughs> I'm not, um, you know, the kind of guy that can afford, oh, I don't know, a $6,000 a night uh, hotel room in London, much like Blackface mm -hmm. does. But um, what I find remarkable about this, her, you know, Christian Freeland, at a rabbi, I mean, for those who don't know rabbi, I mean, um, and by the way, I'm nothing against rabbi. It's a good store. I I, I shop at rabbi, but it's the kind of store I would imagine the lion's share of their clientele go into to pick up some items, you know, a couple of items to, uh, on their way home, as opposed to shopping for a week's worth of groceries, because the fact that it is typically a 24-7 uh, grocery store, you're going to pay a premium. No offense against Rabba. I mean, you know, they've got to, you know, pay for their added, uh, you know, operating and staff costs. But this is what gets me, Tamara. Why in blue hell would Christian Freeland do a grocery rebate presser at a Rabba, basically a glorified convenience store, as opposed to? you know, uh, a cut rate level grocery store like Food Basics, No Frills, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I think she's sending out a mixed message there because I really don't know what the message is. 
get your grocery rebate so that you can now afford to shop at Rabba? <laughs> well, and people aren't even sure if they can afford to shop at Rabba because <laughs> she had Rabba take down, if you notice in the, the photos that we had there on the screen, <laughs> she had Rabba take down all of the price tags of the food as she's announcing this benefit <laughs> to 11 million Canadians. And to me, this is like, no, that means that there are 11 million Canadians out there that can't afford to put food on their table. This isn't a good thing, Christia Freeland, that you're giving 11 million Canadians this like benefit one time, right? One time benefit of however much, depending on your income bracket and if you have children and if you're married and how many children. Um, so this, this to me doesn't scream like, hooray, the government is here to save you. This screams to me that the government is failing at pretty much everything these yeah. days, it seems. Um, but there was uh, Canada Proud. Yeah, here we have this clip. They went to the grocery store after uh, Finance Minister Freeland spoke and they inquired about the price tags and, and where they were. So um, let's share this <laughs> clip with you because I think it's pretty funny and it's just a few minutes. So glad to be here today at Rabba Fine Foods. <laughs> and I am so glad to be here today at Rabba Fine Foods. So I am here at Rabba and there are no price tags on these shelves. Now you may be wondering, why are there no price tags on these shelves? Well, Christia Freeland was just visiting here for a press conference and her staff, according to the staff who work here, had them removed before she spoke and they have not yet put them back up. Of course. Okay, so Tamara, once upon a time, I used to write a column in Marketing Magazine and a government presser, that is a form of marketing. And basically what the intended message was for consumers and to get out into the media was about the grocery rebate. And aren't we just so grand here at the federal liberals that we're putting pocket in the money of Canadians? But first of all, I mentioned before, it's very confusing that she'd choose to go to a fine food store to do such a mm -hmm. message. But ultimately, what is the takeaway? What are people talking about? Not the grocery rebate to Mary Ugolini, but the fact that her staffers got the Rava staffers to take down the price tags. So the first thing you say is why? Well, maybe uh, when you look at the uh, whatever the fruit or vegetable was uh, being priced by the pound or kilo, maybe it's like an excessive amount. That's what I think. But still, it speaks of a cover up. It speaks of, you know, trying to tinker with reality. I mean, why did she even bother going to a Rabba food store, a real one? Why didn't they just hire a soundstage and make a phony baloney grocery shelf no prices included. They would have gotten away better with the message that way. This is baffling. Once again, mm -hmm. you know, this deputy prime minister, this minister of finance, uh, I really question the qualifications of this woman, Tamara Ugolini. Well, you're, you, myself, and hundreds, millions of Canadians also <laughs> questioning. And I guess for Christia Freeland, um, it wasn't enough for Canadians to just simply cancel their Disney Plus. Remember a oh, few yeah. months ago, she told us that uh, in order to combat inflation, we could just cancel our Disney Plus memberships and then be able to uh, purchase some food. Well, I think based on that Canada Proud video, a uh, flat of strawberries or a pint of strawberries was six ninety nine. I mean, that's that's pretty affordable from what I've seen these days. They go up to eight, you know, I think because they're in season right now, but... Mm. Um, I've definitely seen strawberries pricier than that. And my kids will eat that a flat, a pint of strawberries in one sitting. So I'm like, if I cancel Disney Plus and then I can buy my kids fruit for like a day and a half, I, I guess that's supposed to be a good thing. Um, but this just speaks to how out of touch the liberals are and their inability to see that Canadians are going to see through their, their play, their twisting on reality, as you've mentioned it. Yeah, here, 
we have this article where she made the Disney Plus comment. That was in, oh, that was in April. So um, just a few months ago. But yeah. I also did this write-up last week where um, I found that Trudeau, not only does he have lavish grocery bills, which we can get to in a moment, but Canadians are actually struggling to meet the basic bare minimum requirements of our food guide because the food guide was last released in 2019. So prior to the COVID pandemic, which involved worldwide sweeping economic sanctions and lockdowns, which caused the inflationary period that we're seeing today, I would argue. And so a food affordability is off the charts now in comparison to what it was in 2019. So Canadians actually can't afford like the bare minimum of five servings of fruits and vegetables every day because the cost is so enormous. Um, but as Sheila has reported previously, Trudeau's own personal grocery budget is on track <laughs> to surpass $100,000 this year alone. That's his personal budget. That doesn't include his jet setting across the globe, his lavish meals when he's out at these World Economic Forum events or preaching about climate alarmism in Europe. Um, these are just his personal groceries for the year. Over 100000 on track to be roughly $100,000. This wow. is absolute insanity. And that is all funded by us as we struggle to put the bare necessities of our own food guide on the table for ourselves and our children. This is horrendous. Holy let them eat cake, Batman. That is <laughs> incredible. And you know what, Tamara Galini, I'm so glad you brought up the Disney Plus thing because this <laughs> just shows you again how out of touch this Freeland is. She was talking about, the. I, I think she said, and correct me if I'm wrong, that in her own household, uh, they had to bite the bullet and cancel their Disney Plus subscription. I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. By the way, do you know how much that is? Is it, what, $16? I think it's like, eight? Does anyone I know? thought it was $12 Maybe? a month. I, I don't do the Disney thing, so I'm not really sure, but I thought it was comparable to Netflix, you know, $12, $15 a month. So, so in other words, it, it's not even 10 liters of gasoline. Uh, that you're paying uh, for that uh, subscription. But that's not my main point. My main point is this, and again, I might be wrong, but I would bet my life on it. And I know there's thunder in the forecast, so I'll just keep my eyes peeled for a, Careful, a bolt of lightning coming down. I bet you she didn't cancel her Disney Plus um, subscription. No, no. I bet you if I could dredge through her garbage of uh, you know, bills and went through her cable bill, I bet Disney Plus was never even postponed uh, for a moment. And uh, I see uh, super producer Olivia is getting the Disney Plus uh, pricing. Oh, there oh, it is. Here we go. $11.99 Canadian a, a month. month. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to make a real big difference to what Canadians. Well, as are I mentioned, that's, that's two flats of strawberries. My kids will eat that in a day and a half. Gone. Yeah, like this is that's this is not helpful at all for Canadians. Um, wow. And like you said, uh, and that reminds me of a, a great Three Stooges line. You're saying the lower price that we saw at Raba, most likely because strawberries, given that it is summer in Ontario, they are in season. And there's that great line where Curly, Larry and Mo are on death row. They're about to be hanged. And the warden says, do you have any last requests? And they say, uh, Yes, uh, we'd like a bowl of strawberries. And the warden gets really mad. Strawberries? Strawberries won't be in season for six months. And they go, we'll wait. <laughs> and they walk off the platform. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we better uh, get to... Let's um, just go to a quick super chat here yes. from Snowy Roof, who gives us $5. Thank you very much. Christia, I don't think can balance her own checkbook, <laughs> let alone the finances of the country. Hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, I, I guess this is what we get when we have a government who thinks that balance, budgets balance themselves. Yeah, and you know what? If she does come into a little extra cash and what blackface liberal isn't these days um can she spend some of that on a personal shopper you know to buy her a dress that fits <laughs> you know so that if she's in a seated yeah, position bad. we don't have to get the blue dot uh to cover up the private parts you uh, know i don't even want to i don't i don't want to go there yeah i i, I can oh. only think of that uh 
a Sharon Stone movie. Everyone knows who, what I'm talking about. It burned out the pause button on so many VCRs back in the day. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's go to an ad and we'll come back to our last story here. Ladies' choice, what would you like to talk about? Well, since we have it in the headline, let's do the, the CBC where yes. they're finally admitting that they are the spreaders of some misinformation. Yep. Talk about the Christmas miracle. We are, of course, talking about uh, Daniel Smith uh, saying that journalism is an integral part of our society. And all I've ever asked for is fair, accurate and balanced coverage. After months of the CBC reporting interference between my office and Crown prosecutors, today, CBC News removed references to direct contact uh, between my office and the Crown Cross pro prosecutors. Um, this is even worse than it looks like, of course, to Mary Ugolini, because when we look at the timeline, all this misinformation and disinformation, you know, the kind of stuff blackface really hates, but his uh, top trained seal, the CBC, yeah. does on a daily basis. This, well, let's call for what it is. These slanderous lies were being broadcast and written about during the provincial election. In other words, the CBC was trying to grease the rails to make the um, to make Daniel Smith and the UCP fail uh, to uh, lose the election, rather to the NDP. That's what's even worse about this terrible story. Look at that. Finally, clarifications mm -hmm. and corrections coming from the CBC. My God, it's the Christmas miracle in July. Well, look at this. They have an entire website and you can scroll, scroll, scroll. And this was only developed in um, 2021. Mm. So it's, I guess, just over two years old where the CBC now has this entire website, their corrections and clarifications where they issue just that about their news stories. And so this came at a time when the CBC was under fire for spreading Miss and disinformation throughout the COVID hysteria that was further amplified by the on the ground reports at the trucker convoy um, that took to the parliament, took to Canada's parliament in uh, January and February of 2021. Um, sorry, of 2022. See, the years are just a mess here the last three years. But um, when they were reporting certain instances, happening on the ground there. And then you could contrast that with live streams. So like no tampering of footage. This is live on the yeah. ground footage. And Canadians were going, wait a minute, there's no cohesivity here. This doesn't make sense. What the main mainstream media is telling us is actually the direct opposite of what we're seeing happening on the ground. Um, so the CBC has taken it upon themselves now to dedicate an entire page to corrections and clarifications. But if you click on the actual link of the article, which Danielle Smith includes in her tweet there, there is a whole editor's note from yesterday and it's three large paragraphs long. Um, but the last paragraph here says after the ethics commissioner's report was released. So the ethics commissioner did a full report on this, right? Danielle Smith was investigated about this ethically. CBC news reviewed its journalism so basically, like it didn't do any real journalism because that's fact checking where you're getting your sourcing from. So the CBC, I guess, reviewed its own journalism and re-interviewed a number of sources and parties to the matter. Confronted with the commissioner's report, our sources have insisted that Crown prosecutors felt political pressure regarding the Coots cases. And that's in regards to the Coots blockade that uh, happened in conjunction with the trucker convoy in Ottawa, that was the Coots border in Alberta. Our sources have insisted that Crown prosecutors felt political pressure regarding the Coots cases, but they are not able to confirm that the emails they originally described were sent directly from the Premier's office to the Crown. Unbelievable. And they couldn't have discovered this in uh, um, January when they first published this, this piece that was right during active campaigning between Danielle Smith and NDP leader Rachel Notley, who are going head to head for premiership. Um, 
instead they published this smear piece in hopes of obviously swaying the voters and um, meddling in that election. It didn't work. And now that the ethics commissioner has concluded their investigation, the CBC has been forced to put out a correction and issue this clarification. It is absolutely absurd that they got away with this for so long. And two months after the election results are in, uh, talk about foreign interference, talk about election meddling, and it's coming from uh, the state broadcaster. Unbelievable. But you know what, Tamara? Here's the silver lining for me. I think we now know what the two C's in CBC stand for. It's corrections and clarifications. Um, (laughs) As for the B, well, bullshite works for me. How about you, Tamara? (laughs) Yeah, I think we could come up with something a little bit more uh, robust than that. But I like I like where you're going with this. Yeah. Well, I like that. I well, think we it's have one... truth in advertising. Well, you know what? I see we've got we have a hard out. It's just a little after two o'clock Eastern time. And we have one more super chat. All right. So we'll just get to that yeah. before we Always wrap things up priority. here. <laughs> Thank you, Ableist SL, who gives five dollars to create a publicly accessible propaganda archive. And as part of a boycott campaign, do you think we should create a piracy site specifically? specifically dedicated to mass pirating crap from woke companies? Well, this is a loaded question, if I do say so myself. Um, hey, if you create something, let me know. Happy to uh, to see what you come up with. Well, you know, what's amazing, I think, uh, Tamara, when it comes to woke companies, two of the wokest that we saw uh, in recent months, uh, one, Anheuser-Busch with the Dylan Mulvaney disaster, um, for Bud Light, their share value has now surpassed more than $16.5 billion. Can you imagine? And it shows no signs of ebbing. And then we have Target, and Target's lost $10 billion off their share value. Turns out that the middle America mom Paul consumer doesn't really like the idea that they're selling uh, radical trans bikinis with little pockets to hide your private parts in, including those who are children. Yeah, and, you know, I wonder, Tamara, do they ever learn? Because a, a couple of weeks ago at the Pride Parade in Toronto, guess who had a float sponsoring uh, the LGBT community? Yep, Bud Light. Uh, so, so much from distancing themselves. And that got international media attention, by the way. If they thought it was just happening in sleepy little Canada and nobody would notice, oh, no, uh, you just threw some more uh, gasoline on the fire, Anheuser Bush. You idiots. You don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> and as far as Target is concerned, I just heard yesterday the great Mark Levine, uh, host of um, uh, his uh, Patriot show, on Sirius XM from seven, uh, sorry, rather six to 9 p.m. on channel 125. Uh, And author of so many books, Men in Black, American Marxism, all must reads. Guess what? He's coming out with a book critical of the Democratic Party. And uh, Target has announced that it is not going to stock Mark Levin's book uh, uh, targeting the Democrats because they don't want to you know, so division and they don't want to create divides. Uh, this is the company that went all in on tr- radical trans merchandise in their stores. Um, you know what, Target, I just want to say this to you. Thank you for making Mark Levin's point. You know, thank you for showing that freedoms in America are so under attack, especially from stupid woke companies that are more concerned with ESG than they are with uh, turning a profit. So, uh, you know, I guess in the department, Tamara, of being hoisted on your own petard looks good on you, Target, because once again, you're so far removed from hitting the bullseye. No wonder you went bankrupt within a couple of years in Canada. That's all Mm -hmm. I got to say about that. So, folks, That is today's show. We have the Alberta team, I believe, taking over uh, tomorrow, Friday. So I want to thank you all, especially those who gave us Super Chats. I want to thank our super producers, Olivia and Efren. And of of course, 
the best COVID-19 journalist in the entire Great Dominion, uh, not a purveyor of misinformation and disinformation, quite the opposite, and that would be the lovely Tamara Ugolini. In the meantime, as always, stay safe and stay sane. In a world plagued by conformity where truth is distorted, freedom is a distant memory and Big Brother is always watching. One man, Winston Smith, looks to break through his bleak existence. Introducing the all-new Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of George Orwell's iconic book, 1984. Now, more than ever, in the age of lockdowns, 15-minute cities, and World Economic Forum globalism, everyone must read 1984. Uncover the hidden depths of this literary classic with our exclusive illustrated edition that brings Orwell's haunting vision to life, reborn with a foreword by Ezra Levant and 30 captivating new illustrations by artist Paul Revoche. You see that Orwell is not only explaining what might come, but in my opinion, what's already here, even back when he wrote it in 1949, but much more so as we see revealed today, particularly with the last three years. Join the rebellion against conformity. Get your hands on the Rebel Illustrated Classics edition of 1984, now available at buy1984.com.